0: Listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White.
1: Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White, and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen,
2: how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, sir. I, I hope you are well as well. I am doing great. Thank you. Nice. Um you know I think today's show is um it's one of those times uh, you know I think probably when people listening to it they may end up uh, thinking that um our guest uh, maybe is even a competitor to our agency I I don't know we've never encountered each other in that regard I think um we just uh have uh, encountered each other through the through the lens of um of just manufacturing marketing um uh, and, uh, and and just kind of connected around uh, that and best practices. And I'm really excited to have him on the show. Yeah, I think so. You know, it is,
1: I do believe it's the first time we've ever spoken with, uh, well, not not necessarily. We did have Ross Simmons on here, but he is not necessarily a uh, manufacturing marketer in the same way that Kula is.
2: Yeah, and he's more of a rock star than any of us, so we can't. That's uh,
1: true, yeah. So, I mean, how many of us have spoken in Moz? I mean, maybe, maybe our guest has. I don't know. let's find out we could ask. Yeah, we could. if We could. <laughs> so, joining us today is James Toto. James is the founder and CEO of Industrial Strength Marketing. Uh, welcome to the Cooler Ring, James.
3: Hey, thanks for having me on the show, guys. Happy to hear be here.
2: Really great to be chatting with you, James, and uh, and good to have you joining from uh, one of my favorite uh, cities in America, Nashville.
3: Yes. Yeah. We're. I feel like I get to come home to Nashville every day. You know, I get. It's like <laughs> happy to get back on the plane.
2: It's, uh, it's a nice place to be based out of, that's for sure. Yes, that's um, yes, for sure. James, why don't you start by uh, giving our audience a bit of an introduction to yeah. you and your firm, please?
3: Yeah, uh, happy to do that. Um, and, and by the way, um, you guys are witnessing something very magical, which are two sets of industrial marketers meeting in the magical forest. So um, we're a rare breed, and... I think to your point, guys, um, manufacturers need a lot of help. They're counting on us. And it's always great to meet a fellow industrial marketer. So, um, you know, we all work for our families and um, let's help each other because there's uh, at least in the United States, there's 258,000 manufacturers of all shapes and sizes, you know, uh, in the U.S. side of things. Um, so, yeah, I think I think there's a, a, a lot of help needed and not a lot of us to do it.
2: Um, I couldn't agree more.
3: Yeah, so so real, real quick, um, I'm founder, CEO of Industrial Strength Marketing. Our friends call us Industrial. Um, founded in 2003, um, I am truly a, an industrial. Um, I, was, um, I was born into an industrial family. My father was in manufacturing 42 years. I worked my way through college on the plant floor. My sister did as well and went on to graduate from Penn State and become an industrial engineer. I uh, had more uh, of a digital leaning um, ever since day one, from Pong to Atari to PC Junior to coding. Came out of college and um, really went into the technology and information industry for about 10 years. And that was the 90s and really saw the convergence from and transition from analog to digital convergence of devices, services, funny numbers, that became something we call Bluetooth standards. LEO Orbit Satellites became Satellite TV and Services and 94 Yahoo 98 Google and just was there through that magical time and um, I absolutely had a different leaning instead of DNA. I was recruited by one of the largest industrial search sites for directive advertising Thomas Publishing. They were looking for folks for DNA, folks to help them um, really transition that base of, of manufacturing to Um, really uh, focused more on digital sourcing and and really start to transition from print to digital. So I came on board, ran their biggest geographic uh, segment of their business. Um, And um, in that time, I saw that there was a massive gap, an underserved marketplace in in manufacturing, distribution, industrial services and technology. And I created industrial strength marketing um, with the focus to help industrials make marketing the strength of their business. And we've evolved. Since then, um, to work with iconic industrial brands, I was aspiring to be, um, and we've we even you know did what I feel is an epitaph uh, initiative, um, being part of the founding co-producers of Manufacturing Day, which is the largest coordinated event in manufacturing history, centered on changing and creating perceptions of of, of, of manufacturing careers. Um, so so that brings me to today. Um, you know, and, um, we're very blessed and happy to be here.
2: Well, thank you for that thorough and impressive, um, introduction. Um, at,
1: uh, the podcast, just talking about things we've seen from the nineties to today and never get to anything about manufacturing or industrial marketing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nobody wants to listen to three old white guys do that though. No. Yeah yeah I mean, they barely want to listen to us talk about marketing. let's be honest
3: yeah, yeah that's a, that's actually the problem. that's the problem. Um, you know, I think for the most part, marketing in the industrial sector is either missing, mismanaged or misunderstood. and if you do first principles thinking, um it is our experience and belief that it's a leadership issue that they they literally don't believe in it or, that, or they or they've they they have a bad relationship or they've been burnt. Um, They left, you know, they were stood up at the altar um, and um, a lot of, you know, I think us guys getting around to talking, I'm hoping is reaching, you know, your manufacturing leaders because, um, um, you know, I don't know about you, but in the U.S. you see, uh, you know, um, you go to the industry week, you know, 500 top industrials, you know, pull out the apples and get the true industrials in there. who have strong industrial brands in their portfolio and they don't even have cmos so that just tells you where the function is so uh yeah um they may not want to listen to guys like us talking together but i I think they need to because um it's a it's a game changer in terms of growth when you really have a strong practice and it starts with the leader
2: well, let's let's uh let's kind of uh, go further into that. I'd like to um because it's certainly something that uh, we've experienced in our work as well. Um, uh, that uh, it is it's very frequent that uh, that you, you do see that you see that the it's it just seems like there's a disconnect in terms of what the understanding, appreciating, or, or and embracing the value of of marketing in uh, particularly in the industrial space. Um what, what what have you found to be what do you think the, the root causes of that are?
3: Um I think it's you know, I think it begins with the fact, fe- you know, so you know, we happen to be the best industry period out there. And let's just let's just own it. Um the technology industry is manufacturing. We created the middle class. Um, we 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 led in in automation. We're leveraging the the benefits of of the next generation of Industry 4.0. Um, so we've always been a technology industry, but but what but I think we've we've done too much because you know so much of manufacturing is um, still small business, right? You know, ninety percent of it's still small business. Um, all but of you know, the 258,000 in the U.S., um, like 38, 3900 are over 500 employees or more. So when you really think about it. You know why are we here today? Um, it's not only because of the the leader; it's because of the, way we, oh, the way we the way we 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 built the industrial you know sector and the way we marketed and sold, you know is is not the way we're going to move forward. If we it, you know it's like the Covey thing, if uh, Stephen Covey, it's if we keep doing the things that got us to where we are today, if we keep doing, will actually cause us to fail. And I think we actually have a generational issue when it comes to how we've built businesses, you know our reputation, relationship and referrals, we call those the three R's. Um, that's one bucket but but we're so sorely not looking at how like technology businesses use SDRs and outbound and social selling. Um, they're not leveraging that to segment the you know buying selling the selling process into you know building and working pipeline. And then, you know, letting the engineer do the, you know, the engine, sales engineer to the, be the closer, let's say. Um, and then, you know, and obviously outside of the outbound and three Rs, there's the inbound component. And so they're not used to that methodology of, of, of thinking about their business. And I think we have, you know, to change perceptions and belief systems um, because, quite frankly, why don't they believe? It's I think primarily because it's it's misunderstood by the leader and they need help. And and I think this is the moment in time in our history as marketers. If you're a mid-level marketer and you want to be a CMO one day, go, go help them. Say, you hired me. I'm here to help change your business trajectory. I care about this business. This is what the data is telling me about the percentage of our workforce, their sourcing habits, the move to digital. We need to move this. Can I help you? Can I make the case? Can I give you insights that, you know, help us take these small steps to get there? Um, This is the essential conversation in one way, shape or form we are having every single time we consider a relationship.
1: And I, I think, James, you know, when when you talk about that and you talk about the importance of marketing to you know, these manufacturing businesses, these largely smaller businesses that, uh, you know, drive the economy in both the US and Canada and throughout the world. Um, you know, you, you, you've you said before that, you know, B2B industrial businesses have one of the greatest potentials as marketers, and more so than almost any other kind of business. And, and what what do you think the reason is behind that? And why, why is that the case?
3: Yeah, so there's a number of reasons. So I think my belief system that I formed during the 90s, when I saw the transition from analog to digital, like firsthand, I was like at the Cellular Cellular Telecommunications Industry Association and CTIA when the networks were being built, the technology, was it was like lots of buzz. It's like, you know, think about it back, you know, to the early 2000s and like, you um, you know, Twitter came on board and social exploded. It was that kind of buzz and you know, for me, it it it, it came down to, um, I, I think it just came down to, for the most part, looking at, you know, where we are in, in a moment of time and being able to grasp it. And my philosophy was formed in the 90s around this thing I've heard. It was like, actually, it was a quote from an AT&T executive. And, and what he basically said is, we have to make our way of doing business obsolete. Before the competition does, and and when I think like when we look at the core root problem here that we're kind of dancing around is that I, I personally believe that generational like we got to make our way of living life and doing business and marketing obsolete before generational like right? or we have generational forces technology um, well, market forces <laughs> or, or the competition does, and so so I think that is the fundamental basis upon which when we're looking at you know where businesses and where's the sentiment of the marketing function you know is there that willingness and then further at this moment in time the the what what really gives us that huge advantage and you know as industrials is that you know we are on the cusp of one of the greatest economic expansions that's going to happen you know as you consider that next step and that's the advent of ai That's the advent and application of the power of industry 4.0, the trillion sensor movement, the fact that we can do predictive and preventative maintenance. We have whole new business models. People won't be buying machine tools anymore. They'll be buying them like Spotify, machine tools as a service. And and these companies are going to turn into service bureaus and they're going to say, our job is to provide you the equipment, give you the training, give you all of the, you know, all of the components and inserts and all that stuff you need and help you with, pre-efficiency reducing full-time people that you need lights out manufacturing we'll have maintenance programs and we're going we're going to put you in the modern machine shop success business so so manufacturing and that's and then when we look at electrification and we look at the fact that vehicles have such yo- low utilization you know there's typically in part looking for parking in parking lots or in traffic most often than they are driving so, as you look at the impact of manufacturers and innovators like Tesla and where they're disrupting the model of the status quo, um, you know, in terms of the fact that you will not own a car one day, <laughs> um, I believe those days are coming. The question is how quickly. So, when we look at the impact of the industrial revolution and the fourth industrial revolution, whether you look at the, you know, World Economic Forum or otherwise. It's, it's, it's a multi-trillion dollar opportunity in the world. It's amongst the biggest. So manufacturers who choose to, you know, manufacture the business of the future are going to best, best poised to leverage it. And that requires, like the farmers did back, you know, if you think about like when we were 97% economy, our economy was agricultural, well, the ones that survived were like the ADMs of the world that that leveraged the the automation and the and the mechanical electrical benefits and and abilities of the industrial age, and they applied it to the farm. And that's what we have to do now. This is the opportunity now. We have to leverage the the power and the impact and potential of of automation, technology, intelligence, um, this next wave of the industrial revolution. And those are the best folks to make it. Yes, you can be in software. And yes, you can be in data. And those are all going to be parts of it. And and the companies that figure out that reconciliation to the current business model, let me tell you, if you're industrial distribution, and if you think you're going to survive on selling stuff in MRO, I think those people are going to be in the business of uptime as a service. (laughs) Mm. And, And you get paid based on uptime. And how how much it would be lights out manufacturing? Like that's the scary stuff that doesn't sound possible now. But you know, go back thirty years, you know, you know, like uh, it, it's 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 amazing what we've come, how far we've come. I just wonder what, um, you
2: know, it's funny because we started this by talking about how maybe manufacturing leadership didn't value the marketing function. And then as we shift in our conversation to discussing the uh, incredible opportunity um, with Industry 4.0, uh, it's interesting to me how very few uh, manufacturers um, often include anything marketing related in their, uh, <laughs> in their, they don't have that in their mind as they say the words industry 4.0 or digital transformation.
3: Yeah, yeah, I, I think, I think the issue there is they're going with their comfort area. So, so when you think about the functions of the business, where is industry 4.0 being applied? It's being applied towards the operational productivity and rigor. Like they put the rigor in their effort around operations, right? And 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 maybe to some extent R and D, right? And so they're applying 4.0, they're looking for those efficiencies, they're looking for those benefits and productivity, they're looking for that benefit to, um, quite frankly, you know, leverage automation to reduce overhead and the the reliance and friction of humans when, you know, something else can do it better, freeing us up, hopefully, humanity to do things that uh, require high cognitive skills. So, So what's also really interesting is, you know, keep in mind, like, there's there's industrials that I, I, I really call it across the spectrum. You have industrial age folks, right? Old school industrial, right? You know, just market old school. Then you have those folks that are trending digital. And then you have industrials that are true digital pace setters, true innovators. And they're leveraging and they're using predictive marketing. They're doing account-based marketing like you guys do, Right. They're firmographic, demographic, psychographic. They're able to do trigger response, intent-based marketing, all these freaking buzzwords, shiny objects and lights. And I think that the thing that we have to realize is that this is a spectrum of transformation and marketers, believe it or not, for the most part, have been using most of the promise of Industry 4.0 before the operational side is. We are doing predictive and prescriptive you know, marketing, we are using intelligence, we are using AI for more and more applications, you know, that we do. And and what's really, you know, the shit kicker is, is the fact that you're, you know, the, the thing about marketing and communications, you know, is, is it's integrating with operational, because if you think about it, you buy a car from someone, all of a sudden it breaks down it boom, you, you have it, or it's about to break down preferably uh, or not at all. But if it, let's say it's breaking down and all of a sudden the driver, consumer gets an alert that says, Oh, by the way, you may need to replace this. Here's the part. It's on the way. Can we order it for you? That was a market decision. That was a predictively, you know, so that the, the customer journey and the ability to, deliver value and as you do on screen updates those things will start to be charged for so 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 this whole you know convergence of, of the customer journey you know looking at you know the, the problem in the market you're selling, your sell your your product or service solves or opportunity or want right the uh, needs it's it, it, it's all going to be interrelated, and, and there's going to be market opportunities because still the five to seven times less expensive to grow your business through your existing customers get more new business than it is to acquire a new customer. So 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 I think we're in the age of because marketing, at least the you know trending digital or pace setters have been adopting this. The destination is it's all coming together. When we make the product, the marketing is part of the buyer journey and the value proposition. As we look at the product lifecycle, whether it's it's a car as a service, it's access versus ownership, you know, you name it. So like, get ready. It's only going to get more integrated. It's 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 it's, it's going to get, and 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 at the center of that, it's the customer. If they get what they want, you, you know, the manufacturers will get what you know they deserve and profit should be the reward for that.
0: slash sample ABM. So as we,
2: you know, and I'm, so I'm picking up what you're putting down, uh, largely agreeing with what you're saying. I wonder how much of a manufacturer's um, future success is predicated on their willingness to Uh, adopt and um, embrace uh, these emerging technologies and embrace this new world? How much of it's dependent on that versus um, a a willingness to actually reimagine their business in a fundamentally different way and actually shift and alter their position? And the thing that leads me to that question really was your comment around Tesla and bringing them up as an example. You know, there there are a lot of other uh, automobile companies that could have been Tesla, but they weren't. Um, uh, they could not uh, reach out and claim that position in the way that Tesla did because they they were not willing to make that wholesale shift. you know they yeah. had to keep one foot on the other side of it for so long. And yeah I, I think so many manufacturers feel that way, probably it's hard for them to imagine to to you know th- those wholesale shifts and positioning that can lead them to be, number one in that new emerging category in the way that tesla has become number one in that category
3: yeah yeah i i, I feel it. yeah so, so okay so the way i've wrestled with that right the way i i i view what you're saying it's kind of two things right in one is that you know um one you know um there's two types of um innovation um there's sustaining innovation and there's disruptive innovation and and one yeah. of the things when you study the CEO, so one of our key focus is obviously speaking to the CEO and and really having some pretty challenging conversations with them and, and stress testing them about the marketing function. Same thing with the CMO, but specifically a CMO, what the CM the CEO rather, the CEO really worries about um, amongst the top things outside of, you know, talent and having the right talent on their team, you know. Um is they worry about the black swan. And in any business, the revenue source that it has, it's just a matter of time. It's almost like like high 90s, like almost like 98%. I forget what the stats were, so. But the, the revenue source that you had that, that you generate your business will cease to become that revenue source. So why, and that's just a absolute thing. Think about IBM. What, what do they actually make now, you know? Um, and you look at any business and you can actually see oh my gosh they don't make what they started making so 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 i think that black swan is that you know that little miracle of all white swans there's that black swan moment that's born that changes everything and what ceos don't want to they don't want to miss the black swan they don't want to miss that market opportunity and they have to place their bets right and they have to know when to do it and And when to go on that trend. Electrification's a perfect case for that. Um, and if you have a culture that's built around sustaining innovation, well, we just need to grow incrementally and do that stuff. You know a lot of reasons why these initiatives fail, it's because it's a cultural issue. If you try to have a center of innovation with all the expectations of what you value, well, it's this only did. you know we're a five billion dollar company. This only did, you know, a hundred and fifty, fifty thousand, you know, half a million. Well, if it is a new disruptive model, you have to be willing to accept those early stage rewards because it, we tend to underestimate, you know, we over, we put too much demand on things in the short term, but we underestimate the impact in the long term versus the short term expectations and cultures and big companies are structurally they're structured to kill stuff like that all the time and so that's why you see so many companies now taking these off and creating separate sequestered businesses because a lot of times not only do they need to be sequestered from that debt and that cultural debt they they need they need to bring in a whole new set of people with new dna so so that's i think that's what we we run into it's the picking the battles and is the organization really have the DNA or the culture to even allow it to survive?
2: yeah, we've uh, we've interviewed some uh, great examples of organizations. Honeywell comes to mind as one who that's uh, um, uh, spun out kind of a bit of a, a startup within Honeywell that uh, does um, uh, essentially uh, uh, a marketplace for used aerospace parts. Um, yeah uh, and uh, it's a, it is a an interesting way to um to both foster innovation and explore different positions I, I do wonder however you know I guess I've just part of my thinking is is that uh, most poor marketing performance fundamentally is rooted in a failure to position um or to and to even have a position and um and, and I, I I just i wonder I, i'm i wonder how we can uh make that shift uh, yeah uh, so i'm just i'm asking you now for a magic bullet that doesn't exist change. see what's happening
3: <laughs> yeah so how, how, so positioning in, in terms of like like brand positioning what do you mean
2: well yeah like exactly i mean like um uh, you know it, you for instance um you know if we go back to the kind of godfathers of positioning and, and and think it through you know what what is a position Well, you 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 it's a you it's a category in the mind of a buyer um and, and uh, in for in tesla's case um their category isn't cars their category is electric cars and they're number one and there's probably only about place in your head for maybe two brands in that electric car category just like when there's only room in your head for uh, probably two maybe three types of brands of toothpaste if i asked you to tell me um uh you know uh, a different toothpaste you probably say colgate and Crest, and maybe like an aquafresh or something and then if i said well but what about sen- but what, what about sensitive teeth oh well then sensodyne because that's the position they've that's a the category that they're in and i find that Tesla had the courage to say, we're going to be, we're taking electric cars. That's our category. Whereas Chevy said, eh, we're going to kind of do some electric stuff and Toyota. We're going to kind of do some electric stuff, but we're also going to do this. and We're also going to do that. And therefore they fail to own that future state.
3: Yeah. I, there's a bridge there. Um, so, so, okay. So when we talk about positioning, that's the assumption that, okay, well, we have a niche, right? That's like, let's position ourselves, let's na- nail a niche. That's one thing. And let's say we take the sustaining organization that this is who we are and how do we position ourselves better? How do we kind of nail a niche? And I think, I think there's that. And a lot of us as like marketers have that sensibility to work on brand positioning strategy and things like that. But, but I think to dealing with the executive level, which I think is the root source of the opportunity and the problem is sometimes it comes back to business model generation. If it's a time where it's a moment where you're considering electrification, I don't think Tesla was saying, you know, um, we want to find a niche in the automotive market. I truly believe that they were looking at the root cause problem and opportunity of automotive, of the internal combustion engine, the ability to transition the world to sustainable transport. And, and, and so what they were looking at was the actual insanity of the implications of humanity scaling and population using internal combustion engines. So when you look at it from a you know, brand position standpoint to a, a business model, you know, what does a business model start with? What's the problem in the market? It's basically at the at the executive level of strategic marketing, industrial marketing management, what leadership should be focused on is what business, what business are we in? What business should we be in? And and yes, knowing what you're in, but in, should be in, <laughs> or are are we in the right business now? Does this have, you know, is this long tail, short tail? And so I think I think the one thing I'm finding with a lot of industrial marketers out there is they're not looking at the fact that man we need to go like go grab a grab a strategizer book go go really get down and work through you know our 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 business model generation and what does that start with what's the problem the real problem the root cause problem first principles thinking that's Elon Musk he's right in his thinking more people will do well to look at first principles thinking and so what I think we 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 need to do as marketers is is we just, we need to move from doing crap to providing strategic authoritative value. And that's stuff like, yeah, we're happy to do that brand positioning strategy when you're ready for it. And, and, and I think that's where we say, okay, problem in the market. Okay, what's the customer segments that that need that? Okay, now let's, let's start talking about the value proposition. Um, and, and then there's lots of other things that go into a business model generation. And that's to my point. The things that got you to where you are today, if you keep doing, may actually cause you to fail. The revenue, the way you generate your revenue now, given marketing technology, you know market forces, technology, generational forces, um, you know the way we sort all that stuff. If you don't evolve and consider those all those forces on your legacy business, you're really screwed. So, so I think I think that for me is why I, I, I'm, I'm fi- we're finding ourselves just more in that what business should we be in conversation, <laughs> and and our first job is to get them. yeah
2: yeah Yeah. or almost what business what 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 problem are we solving for in some way
3: exactly you know and um and i think i think for me that sounds a hell of a lot more interesting than like doing marketing crap and stuff and tactics and you know like really really going you know is, is are we nasa is our is our is our mission is our inspiration to explore the heavens you know um you know what what is what is what is the true true essential first truth big principles fundamental problem in the market we're solving and for me it's marketing's mismanaged you know misunderstood or even missing and it's happening because there's a lack of belief and understanding at the executive level of strategic marketing management in the business needs to wrestle with the role of the function of marketing in their business and if it's there great if it's not why the hell not and how they think they're going to win you know especially since the marketing function now serves serves hr for recruitment it serves you know the product development cycle it serves like crisis management it serves sales marketing it serves so many things and um there's no wonder why marketing companies, strong marketing functions in the manufacturing segment are outperforming the ones who don't have one. And when times get bad in the economy, let me tell you, the ones who are marketers and they market through it will outperform the ones who don't. And you just have to look at the last four recessions to say that there's a pattern. So get out, take your losses. It's like take, pulling out completely on the market on the low. That's what you're doing by not marketing, and and uh, just look at the last four recessions to show you. Like, this is the hard stuff conversation that I'd love to see more industrial marketers have <laughs> with their internal teams and manufacturing companies. Um, it's not about the stuff,
2: James. I think this uh, you've left it, and I think it's a great place to uh, to leave the episode. Uh, you've reminded me of an old uh, mentor uh, that owned an agency for. I think he's probably now in year fifty of agency ownership. And when asked about the importance of marketing, he just says like, "Well, nothing. Nothing, nothing happens in this world without communication." So it <laughs> just goes to that very fundamental level. And he just, in a, in about three sentences, articulated all the aspects of the uh, manufacturing enterprise that marketing actually touches and impacts, and uh, yeah, uh, and and why they ought to be. Uh, uh putting a, a greater level of import on it i thank you for sharing your uh uh experience and expertise with us today on the cooler
3: oh hey i i'm i'm glad to be with a fellow unicorn and industrial marketer uh marketers plural and now happy to help and uh you know they're counting on us guys manufacturers really need us seriously um they got they got to make some changes
2: well we look we look forward to uh, helping them make them along with you. And being uh, part of that. All the best, sir.
3: <laughs> All right, thank you guys. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K U L A partnerscom slash the Cooler Ring.